Welcome to Coffee with Coasties. I'm your host, Joe Nemeth, and I've got my co-host here, Kelsey Sider. Hey, hey. How's it going, Kelsey? It's going, it's going. Good. Real excited to introduce our special guest in the studio today, Phil Krause. How you doing, Phil? I'm just pressing on. Hope you are. Doing well. Hey, first things first, Phil, how do you take your coffee? Um, like a malt. <laughs> <laughs> Cream, lots of sugar. Cream, lots of sugar. All right. You got plenty of coffee over there? I, I do. Thank All you, right. sir. We're going to get rolling. So, Phil, you're in the Coast Guard Auxiliary here in uh, Wilmington, North Carolina. Which flotilla are you with? I'm in uh, 10-1, which is Riceville Beach. 10-1, Riceville Beach. How mm-hmm. long have you been an auxiliarist? Uh, in March, it'll be uh, four years. Wow, wow. Four years. Wow. Time flies. Just past March. So, previous Coast Guard experience before the auxiliary, right? Yes, I was. How long were you there? Um, two years. Two years? Mm-hmm. Okay. And prior service in the Navy before the Coast Guard, is that correct? That's correct. How long in the Navy? About uh, 10, 10, 11 years. Okay. What did you do in the Navy? I was a, a sonar technician. <laughs> that was me. That was you. And where were you? What, were you, what kind of ship were you on? I was on two nuclear submarines. One was the USS Triton, which was actually built to be an offshore presidential war machine uh, in the 60s. It, it had two reactors and two of everything. And the second one was a fast attack out of San Diego. Wow. Oh. That's pretty cool. I didn't know they made such a thing as far as a... So it was basically like the situation room that you could be anywhere underwater and run the country. Exactly. Uh, the, the Triton is the only submarine uh, that um, followed uh, the the route of Magellan and went around the world in 84 days and it submerged all 84 days wow wow were so, you on it no, no i i welcomed it home oh okay cool very cool very right. cool and That's so crazy. what years were you in the navy uh 1961 after i was arrested and um uh through 1960 Eight, and then I was uh, two years in the reserves. Very cool. So active duty, a- active duty Navy, and then two years Navy reserves, and then. And then I actually uh, rejoined the reserves after working with Prison Fellowship, and I was on a minesweeper out of Norfolk, and I did that for two years. Oh wow. And then when did you go into the Coast Guard Reserves? Or was it Coast Guard Active Duty? No, it was Coast Guard Reserves. Um, uh, The Coast Guard recruiter heard me talking to the Navy recruiter because I I was thinking about uh, actually re-enlisting. Okay. And right across the hall with the open door was the Coast Guard recruiter. So uh, he heard the conversation and went, uh, yo, yo, hey, uh, I got something to talk to you about. So I went to his office, and he said, I heard the conversation about you owned a, a, a delicatessen called Schlotzky's. And I said, yes. And he said, so you were a cook? And I said, no, I owned a, a, a deli. Uh, he said, well, I have a, a job for you in the Coast Guard uh, Reserves. And he um, enticed me to join the reserves as a second-class E-5 cook. But I kept on telling him, I don't cook, I just own the business. <laughs> and he said, no problem at all. Uh, uh, we'll ship you down to Oak Island, 
And, you know, you can cook some eggs, uh, you know, for a few people, cook a couple of hamburgers. That's basically it. So I said, okay, I can do that. So I did that for two years. Okay. And in all reality, what did you do in that two years? (laughs) To be honest, uh, most times I actually uh, snuck away in a private office and called my wife, Maria, and asked her how to cook the stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I had no idea how to cook Chateaubriand. And unbeknownst to me, and I I still hold it against that recruiter, unbeknownst to me, uh, I had to follow the Coast Guard uh, menu book, which was about three inches thick. And I wound up having to serve breakfast, lunch, and dinner for 40 people, not just a couple of guys with some eggs. Holy cow. Oh, boy. So 40 40 people. um, I think... I think most of them, after me cooking for them, actually volunteered to go over to Kuwait. (laughs) (laughs) I believe so. I believe so. Yeah. Is this why why we hear stories of of gophers for dinner? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe so. (laughs) Somebody, somebody, uh, some poor soul out of of Oak Island started that, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe so. Well, did you ever learn how to cook? Did you ever master a dish? Did you have that one go-to dish that you just like, okay, guys, I, I can cook this and I can cook it well. You're going to eat it a lot. Yes, it was called a, a Schlotzky original. Uh, what I did is I um, had Maria bring me uh, several dozen uh, sourdough buns from Schlotzky's, and I put an original together, which was two kinds of hams, uh, cheeses, onions, olives, etc., and everybody loved that. So a sandwich. So a sandwich. All right. Yeah. Cold cuts. So, I mean, hey, hey. what's wrong with that? Uh, needless to say, I did not make uh, first class. <laughs> um, but hey, you turned them onto your deli. Yeah, and after you right. left, the only way for them to get that sandwich was that's to go right. to Schlotsky's. Absolutely. Exactly. Hey, it was really you're a, a good hit. business guy, So Phil. you were the better <laughs> recruiter not, yeah. in the end. <laughs> in the end, yeah. <laughs> so I remember Schlotsky's on Oleander. Oh, do you? used to eat there regularly. Oh. So, yeah, it's, it's a small world how you... you, you Almost run into somebody and you don't. And then one day you run into them. And tell us about how you found out about the auxiliary. That's a pretty good story. Yeah. Uh, I went to the movie about a Coast Guard rescue, an actual live, not live, but uh, this actually took place. So it wasn't just a story about uh, the Coast Guard uh, rescued a, a tanker that had split in half off of Massachusetts, I believe. Oh, is this The Finest Hours? The, yeah, finest, the finest Hours. hours. Yeah. yeah. And it was an exciting movie. Uh, and when I came out of the movie two hours later, I was really charged, you know, t- you know, to see all the action scenes. And um, uh, I happened to look over, and unbeknownst to me, when I came in, while I was in the movie, the auxiliary had set up some tables along with the regular Coast Guard uh, as a recruiting emphasis, uh, later to be known as a public affairs situation or event, sorry. And as I was staring over, I kept noticing all these officers with with all these stripes on, um, you know, lieutenant and commanders, but I noticed they were, every one of them were old. And uh, except I, for me, I was yeah. there. <laughs> except for Joe, he was the youngest one. I, I kept thinking, how does somebody with gray hair or no hair uh, be a lieutenant or a commander? And of course, I knew nothing about the auxiliary. And uh, I happened to catch the eye, or he caught my eye, 
of um, uh, Jim Harlot, yeah, who at that time I think was the he was the division the commander division at commander, that time. yeah, and he promptly marched over to me and uh, said, "Hey, how you doing?" And I said, "Fine. How are you?" And he said, "You look like you want to be in the auxiliary." And he happened to catch me at that particular time where the movie had such a, 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 a it, it truly motivated me to explore what the Coast Guard and auxiliary was about. So then he introduced me to Carl, and then we went through the testing and interviews, and I, I joined in, in March of 16, I think. Yeah. I was flotilla commander at the time when you joined. That's I remember correct. that. Yeah. And, uh, that was a great event because that was put on by national for uh, both auxiliary recruiting and active and reserve recruiting to be at the movies. And we were there that entire weekend, like Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night. And then I think we were there most of the day Sunday. And it was just an overwhelming, uh, we recruited probably four or five individuals, but families would come in and they would look at us and like nod and say, Hey, and, all that and awkwardly walk by and go see the movie and then they would come back and be like thank you for your service thank you for your service we could tell who had seen the finest hours and who had seen you know whatever disney movie was out that week and so it was pretty neat they the finest hours point. was a disney movie well okay but you know whichever nemo they were trying to save that week or whatever or find uh you could tell if they had seen the finest hours yeah because they would come by and see us and so it was, it was a really neat wonderful event. movie wonderful yeah, I still to this day apologize. I read the book, but I have not seen the movie. And everybody gets on to me about it, so go ahead and just leave a bad comment if you want. But I just don't have a lot of time to watch movies. It's just not my thing. And um, But I will put it on my list to watch. Because I sat down, and my wife made me watch a movie last night for like the first time in forever. And so I'm trying to watch one movie a week now. Cause oh, it's, yeah. it's been a hot minute since I've seen it, so maybe what we should do is... We should watch it and recap it. Oh, we should have we should a recap episode the of yeah. The Finest Hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that sounds good. So, in the Navy, um, where all did you go? Any exotic ports or anywhere you went when in your time? Um, I cannot uh, uh, confirm or deny <laughs> <laughs> where I went, but I, I will tell you that um, on the USS Snook, which was the fast attack out of San Diego, we went to uh, on a Western Pacific patrol in 1965, and the first port was Hawaii. And I thought, man, this is great. <laughs> this this is why I joined the Navy. Um, and Hawaii was a wonderful experience, as you can imagine. Sure. Um, and from there, we we headed west to various ports. Um, one one that I'll always remember, Joe, when we pulled into uh, Japan for a little R&R, and as we were coming into port, and I, I happened to be topside handling uh, uh, the lines, I kept hearing them singing. So I said to my buddy, isn't that nice that the Japanese are welcoming us, you know, with song and all, all kinds of people on the pier? And as we got closer and closer, I finally heard... They were chanting, Yankee, go home. Yankee, go home. <laughs> and the reason being is we were nuclear. Oh. And well. they were still extremely sensitive to sure. nuclear power and all. Understandable. 
But on the good side, uh, for every U.S. dollar, I got 365 yen. Oh, wow. You were high so, rolling. So I cashed in a $100 bill, and I thought I was absolutely rich. Yeah. Because that was 365,000 yen that I had. So 1965 Hawaii, that yes. had to be something. Yep. Did you see the guys from Hawaii Five-O, the original one? No, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, I'm not even quite sure. I think they started in the 70s. Did they? I thought yeah. it was like 65 to... Oh, maybe. Don't show. look at me. I mean, but you know, now they have a remake Hawaii Five-O, which was nothing like the original. Yeah. But uh, uh, I guess Elvis was probably making movies in 1965 in Hawaii. Yes. Blue Hawaii. I'm not Blue sure Ho- when. Blue Hawaii is yeah. the one. Blue I remember. Hawaii was a good one. Yeah. And, and from from there, we we went on a six month patrol. Okay. So although I joined the Navy to see the world, uh, you can't see much uh, at in a submarine so no and there were no windows at all so yeah yeah they don't put windows in submarines nope. do they no nope. they say the easiest way to sink a submarine is just to open the door but <laughs> that will do it that, <laughs> that will do it right fast so phil uh tell us about what you do in the auxiliary like what's your what's your job currently in the auxiliary i know you've had a, quite a few jobs but what are you currently doing i'm com- currently a staff officer um with uh, a focus on vessel exams, safety vessel exams, and also uh, uh, public education, which is uh, teaching the uh, safety course to the to the boating public. Okay, I've also little birdie told me that you've won the Century Club award two or three times. How many times total? Three. Three times. So those of you listening, the Century Club is one hundred plus. Vessel safety checks and or program visits. So that's very impressive. Wow. Three times. That's, that's over that's 300. That's every year, right? Yeah. That's over a, 100 every year? Yeah, 100 in a calendar year. Nice. And, he, and this, this gentleman here has got it three times. So that's impressive. Beating Phil. the ground on those PVs, Phil. Well, you know, uh, when, when I um, took my oath, and I've said this all along, that I, I really took that seriously. And... Uh, <clears throat> Uh, because I'm an ex-businessman with with a Xerox and Prison Fellowship, uh, I take my job very seriously, and I actually looked at it as as a job. So I set it out. The, the interest that I had, obviously, in in boating, certainly led me to my first qualification with vessel exams, and then uh, public uh, um, PVs. You know, the the visiting of various businesses. Uh, was second and that certainly made sense to expose what we were doing to the business world and um, uh, public education just seemed to come natural after that um, helping people learn about boat safety at the same time I was learning boat safety and many many occasions uh, when I'm teaching I tell the various people sitting in the audience uh, how much I appreciate them taking the training uh, before they went out and bought a boat Unlike me, I bought the boat and thought I knew it all because I was in the Navy, and and it took me five times to try to dock the boat, and unfortunately I couldn't, so I turned it over to my wife in desperation, and in 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 about two swift moves she 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 tied it up to the boat very parallel, and uh, it happened to be the day that everyone was on the dock, and uh, so it was quite embarrassing, and I haven't talked to Maria since. <laughs> Um, she she embarrassed the heck out of me. 
That's great. Hey, it was better than having to call somebody, call the Coast Guard to come yeah. dock your boat for you. Could you imagine? <laughs> call Cito. Hey, can you help me get to the dock? Just, We're like 30 feet do away. It. You know, it, it was at uh, Atlantic Marine where, as you all know, there's there's currents and wind yeah, sure, and yeah. tides all converging. Tight spaces in there, yeah. too. And it was a heck of a heck of a time. Uh, one time after that, uh, it was easier for me to to tie up on the dock rather than beside it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I just couldn't control. So uh, I really appreciated everyone uh, taking their training. Yeah. No, I've been in some of your classes before where you were instructor in PE, Phil, and you do an amazing job of uh, engaging the students there to learn and making them a part of it. And so I personally appreciate the work that you do in public education and teaching the classes. You know, everything that, that I've done and, and as I see everyone else, obviously, uh, my response to uh, every accolade or, or any affirmation is it's so much fun. And I couldn't understand why everybody doesn't want to do vessel exams and PE. It's, it's a fun thing to do. And of course, being an ex-Xerox person, um, I, I'm finally in a position where I'm not asking for an order. I'm not trying to pressure someone to make a decision, you know, to buy something. I'm giving away information free. So that that in itself is a real blessing. Yeah, that's a rewarding experience to not have to tell everybody about something and then say, okay, and it costs this amount. You're yeah. just giving it to the public. Sure. Well, you know, one of the un underrated activities is program visits. And uh, you actually trained me for the program visits uh, when I was going through and, right. and looking to get that qualification. And it's such a, uh, such a simple task. And sometimes it's like, oh, well, you know, who wants to go to like 20 different places and drop pamphlets off? But man, did you make it fun? And I tell you, like, I mean, it was it was a fun time getting in the car with you and, and just going around and seeing people. And you, you kind of start up a conversation. Yeah, I'm here to drop this information off. But, hey, I'm going to engage with this person. So, yeah, I mean, you're a great teacher, Phil. Well, thank you very much. You were you were a wonderful student. The, the, I am a firm believer that the program visit where, where the Marine dealer visits is like the marketing aspect of the Coast Guard and the Coast Guard Auxiliary. Because we get to go in and provide this great service of giving them the literature and information that that their customers need and and walking along with them to get them engaged in the public education classes and so much learning and vessel safety checks and things they can do beyond that. And it's it was so overlooked for so long and two or three Commodores ago really put a push on program visits mm -hmm. and it and it worked out really well. And I'm uh happy to be a part of it i cut my teeth on uh vessel safety checks I, I and you, you got did. me into program visits because i was like you know what phil i, I think that is a good program so. as a matter of fact you told me uh, early on that you had done uh, 84 vessel exams in one year and i i took that as a goal and uh, that's always been my goal is is to pass you up okay well <laughs> yes. you did it yes <laughs> but, but you passed me up because you now have all this, all the scrambled eggs on your, yeah, yeah, on your yeah. hat. That doesn't mean as much as boots on the ground for a hundred percent. I, I was lucky to have some good relationships with marinas that felt like they could call me rather than reach out and potentially get in trouble. If they call, you know, you know, the national maritime center or something like that for any type of advice. And so I built those relationships and in doing that, you know, they were like, Hey, 
uh, I've told two or three people about vessel safety checks. Can you come down? And, and you know this, Phil, when you show up to do an appointment, everybody there wants to know what you're doing and they want one too. Because mm-hmm. the boating community is a social community. And if you go to one of these marinas where everybody sits around on their boat, you know, in the evening, recapping the day, they don't want to be one-upped by their neighbor. They all want the vessel safety check. And, and so that was the year that, yeah, I got pretty, pretty achieved a pretty high number. Well, you did a marvelous job. So, uh, Phil, without uh, breaking any confidentiality or sharing any uh, classified information, do you have a funny story for us from your your time in the in the Navy or in the Coast Guard? Yeah, I have a I have a couple in the in the Navy. Um, when we were on on patrol, one of the first things that we always try to do before we we get on station is what they call angles and dangles and what it is and it's still a practice today is we would take a 45 degree um, up angle to surface and if any of you have ever seen some of the movies and in particular the hunt for red october where that submarine basically comes out of the water and then sinks back that was an angle uh, going up, and then they do an angle, 45-degree angle, going back down. Ooh. Now, th- that's that's something to behold when you're heading down to the depths at a 45-degree angle doing uh, a fast amount of speed. So uh, the first time it, it, it happened, it, it, was, it, it was quite an experience. It wasn't exactly funny, but I, I did learn to love it uh, after a while. Also, try to drink a cup of coffee at a 45-degree angle, <laughs> it, or, or eggs, or, or anything. It's, it's quite impossible. A um, couple of other things that happened on patrol, uh, and there is a story that I'll, I'll end with. Um, we have what, what they refer to as CO2 scrubbers. And what it basically does is it takes the the CO2 out of the air and converts it to oxygen. Unfortunately, when we were in the yards and we didn't discover it till we were on patrol that one of them was put in backwards. It was actually taking the oxygen out and converting it to CO2. And had we learned how we learned about it is whenever we called back aft in the reactor department, no one ever answered. They were falling asleep at the reactor controls. Wow. Oh my and gosh. we all rushed back there, not all of us, um, and found out that they were all getting drowsy and et cetera, et cetera. And they finally trapped it down to that. That was a harrowing experience considering where we were and at what depth we were. Uh, the other thing is, <clears throat> um, while on patrol, and when I talk about patrol, we are basically sitting still tracking people. Um, one of the young ensigns who wasn't qualified yet, but he, he was new on a submarine working through his qualifications, I guess he went a bit crazy. Uh, as a matter of fact, I know he did because he was wielding a knife and was threatening everyone. So we had to tie him up and, and, and actually lock him up um, in, in, in the, one of the rooms uh, till we could make arrangements to throw him overboard. Um, <laughs> And, and, and we did. We couldn't surface, but we came up just high enough to pop the hatch uh, and um, get him on 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 topside and then 
a, a small boat was next door. We dumped him in and we surfaced again and took off. But well, it's nice of you to put him in the boat, not just in the water. Yeah, well, know you know, right? he, 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 he was becoming that dangerous where we wanted to because obviously he, he could have caused a lot of damage uh, and, you know, given where we were and what we were doing. Sure. Um, and that whole story kind of summed up this way. Uh, six months later, we pulled back into San Diego um, after, after doing this top secret uh, patrol. And uh, we all got in our, in our whites and our dress uniforms, and we were about to leave. And the XO, who then was a lieutenant commander, who is now a full admiral, who I, I continue to talk to this day, he got on the 1MC, which is a, the announcing system that goes throughout the boat. And he was very congratulatory. I want to thank you all for the wonderful job you did um, in, in performing the task that we were given to. Uh, you did a marvelous job. And of course, you know, by that time, we're all getting all puffed up. And then he ends it this way. He said, frankly, if it was up to me, I would have you all shot. And we thought we was kidding, and, and uh, I guess he heard some of the laughter, and he said, I'm not kidding at all because of what you have seen and what you've heard. Uh, I'm afraid that some of you are going to start to visit the bars and shoot your mouth off, and since it was a top-secret mission, we can't afford to have that. And he said, but unfortunately, I can't kill you, so just be aware of how I feel and the responsibility that you have to keep your mouth shut. Well, I think we found the recipe to becoming an admiral in the Navy. Exactly, right? <laughs> wow. And, you know, when you're, when you're 21 years old, uh, I, I took that so seriously that for the next 20 years, my parents still didn't know what I did. Yeah. I, I just was so, so taken with that that I didn't tell anybody everything. was oh, we just, we just had some war games and had some fun, so they never knew where we went or what we did. So wow. that was a wonderful experience so. yeah when you have a good skipper leading you you do anything for that skipper yep i know that feeling that's right okay the coast guard once helped the wright brothers today that's our fun fact so if you know anything about the wright brothers the first flight in 1903 you probably remember that the famous photograph the one of orville taken off while his brother runs alongside the aircraft but did you know in that photograph uh the image was only first powered flight taken in history and who took the photo none other than a coastie i actually knew this the wrights camped at kitty hawk was only a mile from the kill devil hills life-saving station and three of the local surfmen grew curious about the wright brothers and their glider and found excuses to drop by every day volunteering to help carry carry lumber haul equipment even bring the brothers their mail they gradually befriended the inventors and on that day in historic flight helped carry their glider a half a mile to the launch site. The surf men's presence proved fortunate for aviation history, not just because they took the photo, but because they bore witness to the flight. While the federal government initially dismissed the rights as crazy, it was hard for them to ignore the testimony of three brave Coasties. Isn't that great? Yeah, so there you go. The Coast Guard was part of aviation. We beat the Navy to that too. <laughs> So, Phil, um, now we're going to take off to our history corner. And this is where Kelsey brings us in some Coast Guard history. So, Kelsey, what you got for us today? Yeah, so there was a viral video last year that I'm sure both of y'all 
will remember of the two Coast Guard facilities intercepting a semi-submersible go-fast boat. Yes. And a, a couple of the Coasties like jumped on top of the vessel and banged on the door and ended up arresting the smugglers and confiscating 17,000 oh. pounds of cocaine. Right. Yeah, I told everybody I knew that's what I do in the Coast Guard. Yeah, <laughs> just a, a complete, just a whole new level of badassery. We might right. have to censor that. Okay. <laughs> but, but, I mean, for real, I mean, it was such great, great publicity for the Coast Guard. But the units that intercepted that vessel were crew from the Coast Guard cutter Monroe. And today, that's where we'll head in today's history corner. And that's the man behind the name, Signalman Douglas Albert Monroe, the only Coastie to receive the Medal of Honor. All right, you ready for for this, Phil? You strapped in? So Douglas Monroe was born on October 11th, 1919, to an American father and British mother, and was raised in... I'm going to just take a stab at this. I looked for pronunciation on this, and I, I couldn't find it. South Clee Elam, Washington? You got any ideas on that, Joe? No. Sequium. Huh? Is it a sequium? It's three different words. I don't know. I don't know either. I don't either. Well, I'll take okay. a stab at it. You got one, Jeff? No. No, All I don't right. have one. <laughs> we'll move on. Uh, he left the middle in the middle of attending college to volunteer for military service shortly before the U.S. entered World War II. He underwent recruit training at Coast Guard Air Station Port Angeles and was then assigned to the Treasury Class Cutter Spencer, serving on the vessel until 1941. He received consistent high marks during his performance evaluations and ultimately wanted to become a career Coast Guardsman. Sounds a bit like Lou, right? Sounds yeah, a bit like Lou's story. I'll help, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then turned into a lifelong thing. Uh, in mid-1941, the U.S. began immediate mobilization of troops due to the rising tension with Japan. At that point, they transferred the Coast Guard from the Department of the Treasury to the Department of the Navy. Do you remember any of this, Phil? No. <laughs> <laughs> you talking to me <laughs> uh, Monroe volunteered for reassignment To the attack transport USS Hunter Liggett Two G's, two T's uh, Which was being outfitted and manned by the Coast Guard In preparation for war with Japan Under the code name War Plan Orange By mid-1942 Hunter Liggett was assigned to the Guadalcanal campaign in preparation for the planned amphibious operations, the Coast Guard began training Navy personnel on small boat handling. There was a shortage of coxswains, so again, Monroe volunteered to assist in the training since he was cross-trained as a coxswain and as a signalman. Monroe and others were responsible for navigating landing craft full of mar- Marines along the coast of Guadalcanal, one of the Solomon Islands in the South Pacific. A month into the Guadalcanal campaign, then-Marine Lieutenant Colonel Louis B. Chesty Puller embarked three companies of U.S. Marines into landing craft to take control of the western region of the island. Monroe, only 22 years old, took control of 10 landing craft to move Puller's men to the western coast. After successfully landing and moving 500 yards inland, Monroe took all but one of the landing craft and returned to the staging area. Just an hour after landing on the western coast of the island, Marine forces were overcome by Japanese bombing raids, driving out their gunfire support. The Marines were being driven back to the beach, and many did not have radios to request assistance. A single help spelled out in t-shirts on the ridge near the beach sent a loud and clear signal to those looking on. Back at the staging area, Monroe volunteered to navigate the same landing craft to rescue the Marines from enemy fire. 
Nearing the beach and braving incoming fire, Monroe directed the landing craft to push forward, even when Japanese forces gaining ground and nearing the beach. As the Marines re-embarked on the landing craft, Monroe immediately navigated his vessel between the enemy fire and the Marine forces, providing much-needed cover for the Marines. With his efforts, all of the Marines, including the wounded, were safely taken off the island. Monroe later helped free a grounded landing craft that was full of Marines who were not far from any enemy forces. During this, Mer Monroe was struck with a single bullet. Upon regaining consciousness, his only question was, did they get off? He was told yes and then died before the forces returned to the staging area. As Monroe has become an inspiration for so many who have served in the Coast Guard for a sacrifice, Puller, one of the men he saved, would go on to become one of the most decorated members of the Marine Corps and inspire generations of service himself. For a sacrifice, Douglas Monroe posthumously received the Medal of Honor, the nation's highest military award, an award Puller himself nominated Monroe for. In 1943, Douglas's mother was presented with her son's Medal of Honor by President Franklin D. Roosevelt. And, speaking of his mother, Edith Monroe, after Douglas's death, she joined the Coast, U.S. Coast Guard Women's Corps, also known as SPARS, and did some amazing things, which I think we'll have to say for her own history corner, because, wow, what, wow. A, what an amazing woman she was. Hmm. But yeah, that's the story of the Coast Guard's only Medal of Honor recipient, and uh, I've got, uh, got quite a bit of information from uh, USO.com and Wikipedia on him. So yeah. Can, can you imagine Chesty Puller? putting you in for a medal of honor i mean that doesn't get any better than that oh i know it my goodness my wow goodness. yeah so easy he got a cutter named after him there are several buildings at the coast guard academy that are named after him and wow. uh, every coast that goes through uh boot camp learns about him and i think the cutter monroe is one of the stars of coast guard critical mission right it now. wouldn't surprise me i think they're following i think they have uh they're you know have media embedded on that vessel if i remember yeah. correctly. they've got a very large crew i think it's 140 some crew wow. in there. great history corner i love wonderful i love world war ii history and really like it when you tie it together to a story like that and that kind of lineage you know um good work so phil you know we got the boating public out there it's summertime do you have any RBS tips for the boating public, things that are really important for them to be on the lookout for and things that they may not ordinarily think about? One of the most important facets of boat ownership has to be um, training. Mm -hmm. And um, unfortunately, I've seen, as we all have, so many people who... Um, purchase a boat as a fun thing, which certainly it is, but safety, unfortunately, becomes second to just having fun. And um, we've all seen where, where boats are overloaded way past their capacity, and it, it states right there, there's a big tag that tells you how many people you, you can safely have on board. We've, we've all seen so many people with no life jackets, and we've all read... All, that so many accidents can be thwarted by simply wearing a life jacket. Absolutely. Um, so I would I would say as as a a number one tip for boaters, please 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 get trained before you get underway. Learn what safety items you have to have, and 
Just, just like any captain of any ship, you're responsible for your passengers. You don't want to find out what you didn't, what what you don't have when when you you now need it. That being a life jacket or flares or whatever it else may be. So please get trained, pay attention to safety, and with those two, then have a great time, have fun. Absolutely, good point, Phil. Thank you so much for coming into studio today. It was enjoy uh we enjoyed having you it was a special pleasure to me given our history together and working together so thanks a lot for coming in kelsey you got any final thoughts no thanks for coming in phil every year well such a fun guy well you know i i do appreciate you know the 50 dollars an hour that you had promised me Uh, so uh do we have a budget for this yeah uh Uh, yeah that's a lawn item in there (laughs) okay stick it under events or something yeah yeah we'll figure that out hey anything i can ever do to uh to promote boating safety and um uh i i have so thoroughly enjoyed my time that it um most of my vessel exam time after the exam is saying since you're since you obviously love boating you should really join and consider the the auxiliary it's a great great organization good point good point Phil, thanks for coming in. You're Kelsey, welcome, darling. Thank you for hosting. And Phil, we're going to have you back again, maybe right. for the hundredth episode. We'll have a hundredth episode special since you are a Century Club three-time winner. What do you think there about you that? Go. All right, this we'll see you Kraut, next. This is Kraus departing. Kraus departing. We'll see you next time <laughs> okay. on Coffee with Coasties. Go to coffeewithcoasties.com, uh, like and subscribe, and check us out on our Facebook at Coffee with Coasties. question or topic request reach out to us at www.coffeewithcoasties.com and don't forget to subscribe while you're there